Today's guest is a champion coach focused on empowering leaders to be greater versions of themselves. His clients include world-class athletes, startup founders, and people who are best in what they do. Welcome to the show, John. How are you doing? I'm so good, Toby. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so, so much for making out the time to be on this episode of Mirror Talk. I really appreciate it. I am so excited about everything I'm going to be learning from you in this mm. episode. Yeah, so I, I would just love to know, like from the onset, can you enlighten me on what, you know, a coach is, like what is a champion coach and mm. how did your life journey, you know, navigate you towards becoming a champion and success coach? Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking, yeah. Um, this word champion is um, something that I use because of its dual meanings, two different meanings, and I mean both of them when I use it. And so I mean it in the sense of like the king or queen's champion that is the person that is there to defend their right to the throne at the coronation. And mm-hmm. so to be that's like that's where it comes from, to be a champion for somebody, to be a warrior for them, to fight for them, for their truth for what they deserve, for, for their greatness. And so as a coach, I'm being, that's what a great coach is in general. It's being a champion for another person. Um, and I also mean it in the sense of being the absolute best at whatever it is that you do. I am the best coach. I am the best father. I'm the best husband. And that's not like, I know because I've compared myself to everybody else in the world and I have the evidence. It's like, no, no, no. It's just, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. You could say I'm committed to being the best. No, just just grab it. I am the best, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a way of seeing yourself. Um, and so when I say I'm a champion coach, I'm saying I'm for you and I'm the best. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm very inspired by Muhammad Ali. Um, yes. he, and he spoke for years. I am the greatest in the world before anybody knew who he was. And he became the greatest in the world as a boxer. Yeah. Uh, and it's that same kind of idea. So I'm a champion in both those ways. That's what I mean when we say when we say champion coach. It's a kind of a funny way. Like I mean, it's it's kind of cliche to say, but I've always been a coach. I've always been a champion for people. But it's true. Um, but how did it come into form? Like I haven't always been professionally doing that. Um, it started as always being a champion for myself. You have a background in engineering. I have a background in physics and math. So we probably have similar minds. Like I've always just wanted to understand how things work and make them work better. And I was very fascinated with leverage. You know, what's the little thing that I could do that would have the biggest outcome? I love model rockets. I push this one little button and that thing goes up into like (laughs) space, but it goes up in the sky, like, you know, just leverage. Like, and so what's the smallest thing that I can do that can make the biggest change? How do things work? And that was always a self-interest and a self-orientation. And then I saw that like other people out there are trying to do things and get stuff done. And it would be fun for me to help them to find the smallest thing that they could do to make the biggest change. And so it was just a, a, another chance to do that thing that I love doing with myself. Yeah. And so it was just a natural outpouring and extension. So that's like, just like how it was my thing. But as far as a profession, you know, I had different businesses. I had a real estate business. I had a web media company in my twenties. Um, and then when I settled in London after traveling for a while, I also had a hobby interest as a magician. So I was doing like card tricks on the streets like David Blaine and then psychological magic like Darren Brown uh, from the UK. Um, And then I learned about hypnosis. And then that's what led me to understand the psychology of the mind. And magic Mm -hmm. as an entertainer, it's about illusion, right? But the way that magic works is it's not so much the thing you do with the cards in your hands. What makes it magical is the story that you tell and the way you communicate and the experience of that trick that it creates in the other person's mind. And so I became really 
understanding how our communication creates our experience. And I was doing that for entertainment purposes, but then it started to fold into my work uh, in helping myself and helping others. And I realized that the experience we're having is the is what determines the actions that we take in our life. And the actions are the things that determine our results. Mm-hmm. And so I put the two things together. And it's like the way that we communicate with people creates the experience they have in their body, which com- creates the actions they take, which creates the results they get in their life. Mm-hmm. And so the magic kind of folded into you know, just my natural way of helping myself and others. And that's when I discovered the coaching world. It's like, oh, I can do this as a profession. Mm. And so on the footer of my email, I have the Aramaic language for the two words, avra, kadavra, which we know as the one word, abracadabra. We think of it, oh, like a magic trick, but it actually means I create as I speak. Through my speaking, I create, I create myself, I create others. And so that's how I came to be a coach. Wow, that's so awesome. That's beautiful. Thank so, as, as a follow-up question to your experience as you know, while being an I'm sorry, um, a magician and mm-hmm. also hypnotist, yes. So, how, how does our communication affect our experiences, and how can we communicate in a way that we, you know, create wonderful, beautiful experiences out of it? Mm-hmm. Well, when I listened to the little trailer on your podcast, right up at the top, that one minute one, right at the end. You said something to the effect of, I'm not going to get the words exactly right, but you are enough, you are loved, like you're just as you are, something really lovely like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And when a person listens to that and they hear that and they consider that, what happens in their body? They they relax. They feel at peace. They feel this truth in that. Mm -hmm. Or they could sit there thinking to themselves, I'm not enough. I'm not successful. I'm not loved. And that creates an experience in their body. So that those that's... Literally, like the words that we think create our experience and the words that we think are in part directed by the words that we hear that are spoken by others. Mm. So I'm a big, I said, I'm a fan of Muhammad Ali. I'm also a very big fan of uh, Fred Rogers, the American children's television host. I don't know if you've heard of him. Mr. Rogers, they call him in America. It was a great documentary Mm. about him called um, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm. But I loved him growing up and I've loved revisiting and reading all his books. Um, and that was the essence of him. Like his whole mission was to give children a sense that they're cared for and they're enough exactly as they are. I love you just the way you are. Or I like you just the way you are. He would say all the time. Mm-hmm. And the constant repetitive casting of the spell, I like you just the way you are, will inculcate into another person's being that they're enough as they are. They'll feel loved. They'll feel relaxed. They'll have more access to the creative faculties in their mind. They'll be more creative. They'll be more willing to take risks and to take actions because their body is relaxed, because they feel safe and loved. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be a source of that for my clients. That's part of my being a champion. But I also want to teach my clients to be that for themselves. Yes. So if someone comes up to you and says, "Um, John, I really want to be successful. I want to be a champion of my life. How would Mm -hmm. you advise that person? Like, what do we need to know or what do we need to do to become successful and the champions of our own lives? Mm. Well, first I would want to know where the hell we're going, because if I have 10 people that tell me they want to be successful and they all succeed in that, we're going to end up in 10 different places. Mm. So I would ask them, what does that mean? Like, what is succeeding in what? It's like, I want to be a successful at what? You know, Mm. tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. So one has to really know what is our end goal is, for example. Yeah. What is the end goal? And that's not just so, it's not just so we can get to that goal because otherwise we're just trying to aim for some amorphous thing called success. Of course, that's the reason we want to know what what it is because we know where we're going, but there's actually other reasons that I want to know first. Um, The first reason I ask is because 
oftentimes people don't even know what that is or where they're where, where they would be and so that's well, we got to deal with that right away right because they might be like well i would just want to have kids and the like, already do well, then i already am successful okay cool you're done you can i'll send you an invoice <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and 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 then or or somebody might know exactly what it is that would have them be successful but through our conversation, we come to find out that that success they're seeking is an expression of their fear that they're not enough. And once they heard Mr. Rogers and they heard Toby on his podcast and they realized that they are enough exactly as they are, they might not want that anymore. And so That's I don't true. want to just help somebody create success because maybe they don't even know what it is or maybe what they think is going to make them successful is an expression of their fear and is never going to have them actually be fulfilled. So I want to get into the conversation around what success is for you, but mostly to help you to get clear on who you are and that you're loved first. Yeah. And then let's go and create and let's make stuff happen for fun as love expressing our, our, our love and joy. Mm. That's true. Wow. Mm. So to you, John, what does success mean? What does it mean to you? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking. Success means doing what I love, Mm. being love and doing what I love moment by moment. That's like, for me, as a, that's a successful life. That's being a successful person. I could also say I'm successful in creating $100,000 when I have created $100,000. Like success is a very structural thing as well. But if I'm applying that word to a, a life and a person, for me, that's doing what I love, being love and doing what I love. Yes. I think something that gives you fulfillment and gives you yes. purpose, a sense of purpose. Yes, in this moment. In this Not at the so end. It could change from time to time, also. Yeah, I don't want it does. Right, it's always evolving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, if you want to achieve like um, a, a life of, of you know, power, of freedom, and of uh, love, like mm-hmm. I read from your website, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to place the link in the show notes. Episode. How, how funny <laughs> because I love those things. Yes. So I, I would love to know, like, how can we achieve, you know, and live a life of of freedom, yeah. love, and power? Yeah, in that order. In that order. Mm-hmm. So the way that I experience it is that we are most powerful when we are being loving, when we are coming from love, whether that's an inspired heart because you're passionate or an open heart because you have been so vulnerable or a peaceful heart because you've dispelled all the illusions that have like the judgments that have gotten in the way. And like when love is coursing through you, when you're high vibe, people say, right? When you're at a high frequency, when you're loving you make the biggest difference in the smallest amount of time. And again, I mentioned physics. Like for me, I think of power, not in the common cultural way. It's like power over people. I think of power as physical, like physics, like power is literally work divided by time. Or you could say the change made to a system divided by the time. You could say that the jewels divided by the time, like the watts, right? Like power is literally that simple. So to use common language, because I mean, you could just geek out on like technical stuff, but like, like you basically say the, the power, your power output is the change that you make, the difference that you make divided by the time it takes you to make that difference. That's mm, literally yes. your power. Mm. And so if you're, if you're a great person and you're not interacting with people, there's no power there because you're not making a difference. And so I want people to be, to be expressing power, making a difference in a small, big difference in a small amount of time. And there's lots of ways you can do that. Lots of ways. The way that most is the highest leverage way to increase your power is to do whatever you're doing lovingly. You'll be clearer minded. You'll be quicker at it, which means less time. 
And that love has people connect and trust you. They're more likely to receive your words or your actions or whatever. And it's going to make a bigger difference in a smaller amount of time. So love increases power more than anything. Passion, right? All those things. So, yes. so we're, but, but then love. Love is, love is. My mentor says, love is, I am that. And I love that. Like love is the unfolding of the universe, the big bang, banging on, expanding. Love is like love. When water rolls down a hill, I see love. When a, mm -hmm. when a, when a tree in my garden flowers and then that flower becomes a fruit, I see love unfolding. Mm -hmm. And when I am, my heart is alive watching my kids or my wife, I, it's love. It's the same thing as the, as, the, as the flower on the tree. Now, we can get in the way of that with our thinking. We can obfuscate love. We can, through judgment, through fear, we can block that in the same way that you could like, you know, take deprive the plants of life and the flower doesn't come and the fruit doesn't come. You could deprive it from sun or water and then it doesn't, it, love doesn't course through it. Um, and so inside of us, when we're not free, we're, we're not experiencing love. When we're afraid, we're not experiencing love. This is why I say freedom, love, and power in that order. Yeah. So the first thing that I help people to do is to get free. Mm -hmm. Get free mm -hmm. from the ideas that they have about themselves, the ideas they have about the, their world that block love, that mm -hmm. don't let love course through them. Oh, I have mm -hmm. to do these things. I have no choice. Mm -hmm. Which means like you can't even feel your heart about what you would love to do anymore because you're so unfree. So mm -hmm. helping people be free, they're experiencing love. And through that, they have way more power. Mm. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yes. And that's what I would love to ask this follow-up question. Like, you know, now I want to be free, I want to be free and have that freedom from, you know, fear and mm -hmm. anxiety and lack of drive. Like I mm -hmm. was um, watching on your video, like, um, how can we overcome this? How can we overcome anxiety and lack of drive and also prevent them from pulling us down from, you know, achieving the life mm. that we want for ourselves? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a big question because like there's so many different things in there. And in, as a coach, I typically help people by going like zooming in on their specific example, but I'll try to, I'll try to do the best that I can at that level. <clears throat> the general approach that I have is to help a person to see how the, whatever it is that's keeping them from freedom is created by them with how they're seeing, how they're seeing themselves, how they're seeing the world. So if a person is anxious I want to, I typically ask them the question, well, how are you creating that? Well, I'm just really worried about, about getting COVID. How are you creating that? Well, you know, I'm wearing three masks. Okay, but how are you creating the anxiety? Which news? Like, what are you doing in your mind and with your body that's having that concern? Like, there, there, there's a circumstantial reality, but that's like, how are you creating the experience of concern in your body? Well, I guess I'm thinking about it all day long. Okay, what are you thinking specifically? I'm, I'm worried I'm going to get it. Well, then what do you, why, what's that? Well, I'm worried I'm going to get sick and die. Okay, how do you do that? How do you do what? How do you do I'm worried I'm going to get sick and die? I'm not doing that. That's just happening. Well, what if it wasn't? What if you were, do, what if worrying was a doing, not a happening? Okay, and then they start to look and they start to become mindful of the thoughts in their mind as something that is their that they're, that's an action that they're taking and they start finding a relationship to their thinking where they have agency and they're not at effect to their thinking, but that the actor that's producing their thinking and they find, and from that position, you start to have choice mm -hmm. and you can drop thoughts and you can let go of thoughts or you can just witness thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
And so a lot of the work through dialogue, through the coaching conversation is an evolution of consciousness. It's a development of a, of a cognitive faculty that has you be more object to the experience you were previously subject to inside. Yeah. You know, meditation practices help with this. There's lots of paths. I like the path of dialogue because it's through another person being able to see what you're not seeing that it pulls you out, snaps you out of the matrix. Yeah. So the primary path to freedom is a, is is the witnessing of the experience inside that's keeping you not free from with enough distance that you have some choice. Hmm. You have some choice. Yes. Yeah. But what do we what do we you know what do we do thoughts that are always reoccurring? For example, mm. you said um, whenever we have thoughts, we, we can choose to let them stay by you know meditating, having dialogues, or you know like working on them basically. But then. What do we do when these thoughts, you know, keep on coming back and reoccurring mm. over and over, even though we've had dialogues, we've meditated, we've done everything possible that we could think of doing? Yeah. So um, the first thing, and it, sometimes it can be a little bit annoying for my clients, but like the first thing that I would look at is the meta story, which is what I, what I mean by that is a story you have about the story you have. Mm. And if you've got a story about a recurring thought, that is, I've done everything about this and it's still here. That's a story about the recurring thought story. Right? You've got a recurring story, but now you've got a story about it. And whilst you're being honest and acknowledging that this story is recurring and I've done everything that I could think of, that, that description, that acknowledgement is also often in a, a way to distance you from your power. You could have a different story. You've like, I've got this recurring thought story and I'm throwing the kitchen sink at it and I'm not stopping until it's gone. And, we're, and I'm making progress because although it's still recurring, it's recurring less. And not only that, but I'm more conscious of it than I was before. And maybe it's not even more recurring. Maybe it's just that I'm so aware of it now that I'm noticing it more than I used to. So it's the same situation, but I'm t I have a different meta story. I have a story yeah. about the story mm -hmm. that actually empowers me instead of distances me from my power. So that's the first place I'd go. And the reason I'd go there first is because I always meet my client where they are at in this moment. In this moment, if you were the client, we would be in the story about the story. So let's work on that first. That's where the power always is, right here, right now. Yes. And then once I'd done that with a person, I would start to create with them. Like one thing, the thing that came to mind when you were first talking is an example of a client that had the story, I don't know. She would be trying to figure something out and she'd just get to this point. It's like, I just, I don't know. This was like a long time ago, but I've always remembered it because it was, it was useful for me too. I don't know. And then we took this recurring thought and we just added on to it. I don't know, but deep down, really, I do know. Mm -hmm. And we created that as a mantra. And she would practice in the morning. I don't know, but deep down, really, I do know. I don't know, but deep down, really, I do know. I don't know, but deep down, really, I do know. And then later during the day when the old pattern would show up, the recurring thought of I don't know, then her mind would go, but deep down, really, I do know. And it would just like do a U-turn. <laughs> wow. So you take the recurring thought and you use it. Mm. You, 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 you add on to it. You have it be the entry point into an empowering statement. Wow, that's so brilliant. So if, it's, if somebody's, <laughs> yeah. if somebody's everybody, somebody, time somebody walks by a reflection, they had the recurring thought, I'm ugly. 
I would just create with them. I'm ugly when I forget that I'm beautiful. I'm wow. ugly when I forget that I'm beautiful. And then suddenly that recurring thought would become a source point into self-love. Mm. Then all of a sudden to become, I am beautiful. And that's yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, then you, just, then you walk by mirrors and I'm beautiful. That's new mirror yeah. talk for you right there. Wow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you, you, just take, you just take that recurring thought and use that as an entry into what you want. Like, yeah. Continue yes. the story. Yes. Create a happy ending. Mm. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I would love to ask more about that, but I would love to know, know more about fear. Like, mm. I know you, a lot of your clients are, you know, st startup um, founders, for example. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, you know, um, businesses have to do with, you know, taking risk and, you know, um, trying to make, take some moves that you don't, you're not sure of, like uncertainty, for example. So uh, how do you overcome that fear of taking risk and, you know, jumping into the world of uncertainty? Yeah. Well, I do it through freedom. And then love, which gives me the power to take the risk. So I'll, I'll break it out for you. So um, the risk, when people think of, oh, what's the risk? What they're typically thinking about, like, is what is the probability of failure and the consequence associated with that? Mm -hmm. And the way to reduce the risk then is to increase the probability of success and reduce the probability of failure so mm -hmm. that we're less likely to face that consequence. Yeah. And that's good. That's great strategic thinking. It's, you know, and, and that's useful and people probably should do that, right? Because you kind of mitigate downsides and, you know, increase the upsides. Mm -hmm. But if that's your only strategy, then you are tethered to circumstance. Mm -hmm. Unless you can shift things on the outside to increase the probability of success and lower the probability of failure, that's your only way. Then, then you can't take action. And my dad said to me when I was really young, indecision is worse than a bad decision. Mm -hmm. The time that you waste, the opportunity costs, like be in action, be in action, be in action. So if your only strategy for getting the risk low enough for you to take action is to increase the probability of success, then you're going to waste a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen in entrepreneurs that I work with, and you can continually up, you can up level this more and more is that is you people look at it from the outside that oh they they've they've got a higher um, tolerance for risk, right? They're just more willing to take on risk, and that's half the story, mm -hmm. right? From the outside, that it looks like they've just got like a stomach of of nails, right? They can just yeah, yeah. face fears that oh I couldn't stomach that, but the yes. reality is from the inside most of the time, mm -hmm. they're just not having as much fear in their belly as you would be in that situation. So it's not like they've got a higher pain tolerance. Like my wife has a higher pain tolerance than me. She gave birth. I could probably couldn't deal with half of that. <laughs> right? Like that's, that's yes. that. But with yeah. the entrepreneur situation, it's not like they have a higher tolerance for fear in their belly. They just have less fear in their belly. And why is that? Because they're not, they're not like having an erroneous understanding of the, of the probability of failure versus success, but they have less fear about the consequence. So what's going on? It's that they're not making that consequence be as scary for them as you are. So like my wife and I just bought a new house here in Maui, which is a stretch for us. Financially, it's right at the edge of what we can afford and we're growing into it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, should we do this? And we talked about, oh, what's the worst that could happen? It's scary because we're like, oh, you know, heart rate's going up. Oh my God, it's a big number. Um, yeah. And we talked through it and we're like, well, the worst that could happen is that we couldn't pay the mortgage and the bank would take the house. Okay, and then what? What would we do? Well, we'd move out and we'd rent somewhere else in an area. Our kids would be in the same school. We'd be in a smaller house. We'd be paying less money each month. 
okay, that's not so bad. I mean, there's the story about what people think. Oh no, what would they judge me? What, what, if I'm loved anyway, yeah. if I'm free from the idea that that makes me not lovable, then that's not so bad. True. And so we shrunk the fear around the same consequence. We didn't reduce the risk of failure. That's not a high risk of it anyway, but we didn't, we just changed our relationship to the consequence and suddenly there was less to be afraid of and we were able to take action. And it's the same kind of thing. So when you see founders, entrepreneurs that are taking risks, it's because they've actually looked at the consequence and actually be like, okay, if, if that happened, then what? Mm. And most people are afraid deathly because they're not willing to look the thing they're afraid of in the eyes and actually consider if it happened. When people do that, they come into contact with a reality and a resourcefulness that has it not be that scary. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh my gosh, I actually, even if I was on the street, I would go find a job sweeping floors and work my way back up and I'd be okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not so bad. I can handle that. Let's mm. do this. That mm. is like seeing the possibilities or, you know, the um, opportunities that one can also, you know, jump into in case failure happens at the other side of the action. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, I, I was watching your video on YouTube. I'm mm-hmm. going to place the link in the show notes of this episode where you talked about um, risk nothing is um, risk everything. I think that's the title yes, of the video. Yes, yes, yes. And I was like so moved by this. Like you just have to risk something to get something. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be at a, at a point, from my own understanding, you can't be at a point and avoid all risk and, and believe or expect yourself to move forward in life, basically. Yeah, I said risk nothing to risk everything. And what I meant by that is if you are, if, if, if you are completely welcoming of every consequence, if you're like, mm-hmm. fine, if I lose my house, I'm still happy. If mm-hmm. I lose my wife, I'm still happy. If I lose my life, I'm still happy. I mean, if you mm-hmm. take it to the nth degree, ultimately it's death. If you're happy to die, you're totally free. Yeah. There's a difference between being happy to die and being like, somebody kill me. I want to die. Like, that's not <laughs> yeah. the same thing. It's like, I'm at peace yeah. when, can you, when you can be at peace with death. And I'm not here saying like, because I always am. And if somebody put a gun to my head, I'd be relaxed about it. I'm just saying as a principle, the more things that I am free from fear of, the more free I am to create. And that freedom is an inside out job. There's so much more power available when you create freedom from the inside out. Yes. Yes. Awesome. And so now from, from a vast experience, now we've taken, the, we've taken the risk and we are on this journey towards, you know, success already. Like mm-hmm. we're on this path. What does it mean to be successful materially and also in our spiritual presence? Like, when do I achieve that materialistic success and when do I achieve that spiritual Mm. success too? Mm. Well, I'm going to go back to what I said before first and then I'll answer it in a different way. Um, I am achieving material success when I am doing what I love materially. When I'm doing work in the world of form that I love to do, I am achieving spiritual success. Um, material, sorry, when I'm achieving material success. I'm achieving spiritual success when I'm being love, when I'm experiencing love in this moment. Okay. Mm, And I know that you're asking it in a way that um, it would be more fair to answer in a different way, which is like, how do I know when I have achieved material success out there in the material world? Um, And again, that would be on a per person basis and it would be secondary to the, the doing right now. So my primary experience of success is through what I'm doing now. But then I can also say I've got a goal to 10x my social media output, for example. That's just a post-it note I've got on my desk right now. 10x my social media output. And so I've asked my assistant to 
tell me what is our current output, how many posts, how many stories on all channels every, every week. Then we're going to know what the 10x number is. And we'll, I'll know that we're materially successful in that output when we achieve that point. So for me, it's just about what is your specific outcome? So I was materially successful when I hit $100,000 in income. I was materially successful when I hit half a million in income. And I will be materially successful when we hit seven figures in the near future, right? Like, yes. but I, I'm, that's material success in a specific context at a specific thing. But it's important to distinguish that from I am materially successful in any moment that I'm doing what I love. That's the primary mm -hmm. thing. Yes. Otherwise, I put my experience of success out there in the future dependent on some circumstance. And I don't want to do that mm -hmm. because then it sacrifices my fulfillment now. Yes. And it's also what's your, your happiness, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Happiness that's is what, is, comes first for me. Yes, yes. And that's why I would love to talk about happiness also. Like okay, I cool. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I also watched like a, a video on happiness. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if that's title. Yes, I know there's that title. Sorry, it's about um the secrets, the simple secrets to happiness. That yeah. was the title of the video. Yes, yeah, and I get it. <laughs> yeah, so can 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 you like share share this secret with me like with us mm -hmm. like I know I know it's from the YouTube video but can you yeah, share no, it's with okay, the of course, of course that's why I'm here. Um, for me, the simple secret to happiness is to be happy to be unhappy. Mm. I am happy to be unhappy. Um, yeah. Because what happens the moment I'm happy to be unhappy? Like being unhappy, like it's just a fact. People are going to be unhappy. I'm going to be unhappy at certain points. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to have a feeling, an emotion, sad. And if if I'm sad to be sad, I get more sad. If I'm angry to be angry, I definitely get more angry. Yes. If I'm angry to be sad, I get angry. Mm. But if I'm happy to be angry, yeah. I don't get more angry. Mm -hmm. I start to feel happy. And so if I'm happy to be unhappy, then that unhappiness melts and happiness comes. Mm. So I'm happy to be whatever I'm being. The secret to happiness is not to try to be happy. It's just to be happy with whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, to be okay with what's going on. To be okay with what is. To love what is, in the words of Byron Katie, who's a mm -hmm. spiritual teacher that I really love. Um, yeah, so it's it pretty simple. To, <laughs> it, it, yes, it, it comes down to us, you know, embracing our emotions, like you said in the video. Yes. Like we accepting that condition or situation that we are in, like you just said right now. Yeah. I mean, I go beyond acceptance because acceptance is like, okay. Like, it's like, it doesn't have enough oomph for me. It's like, mm. fine. I'll accept my position in line, put my hands in my pocket, my head down. It's <laughs> like, it's like, I, so I mean, it, not everybody experiences that word that way, but I do. And so like, I like the words happy and love mm. too to be happy with whatever emotions I'm experiencing, to love, yeah. to love when I'm frustrated. Mm. And not like love and like, oh, I desire more frustration, just like the compassionate, like I'm, a, I'm okay with it in a, in a very loving way. Mm. Yes. Wow. Mm. That's true. What, what you are just saying right now is, you know, it's, change, um, it's teaching me a lot and it's also making me change my way of thinking about, you know, happiness. Like in one of the videos you are saying, in one of the videos you talked about, you know, when you, when you strive for happiness, it could lead to unhappiness. And mm -hmm. that's what you explained quite right. Like, yeah. The, the, you know, that pursuit of happiness, happiness could make you unsatisfied and lead to yes. you becoming unhappy at right. the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. I'll be happy when is an unhappy <laughs> experience. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, it boils down to us, you know, being contented with what we are or how we are at the moment and be happy mm-hmm. with it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. We, we fly a, a smiley, face flag, smiley face flag in front of our house. And when I look out the window and I'm happy, it's like, yes, yeah, see, it's affirming. And when I look out the window and I'm not happy, it's it's just a reminder to be okay with that. Like I'm happy to have a happy flag in the house and have me shouting at my kid on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Not because I'm ignorant or I don't give a shit or I'm happy being inauthentic, but I am happy to have that flag out there and to be shouting at my kid inside because I know in the past when I was not okay with me shouting at my kid in the, to the degree at which I'm shouting at myself or shouting at my kid, I shout at my kid more. Mm-hmm. And ever since I've been happy to shout at my kid, I've been shouting less and less and less and less. Yeah. My wife and I just went out for dinner the other night. She's like, wow, that was the first time you raised your voice in such a long time. And I was like, that's crazy because I used to so much like earlier in our marriage. It's been months. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, that's good. <laughs> but, it comes from be, but the paradox is, thank you, it comes from being happy with it. Because mm. we don't realize how much of the shit we feel mm. is actually a result of feeling shit for feeling shit. Yes. We're just caught in a loop. And the way out of the loop is to be happy to feel shit. Yes. Just embrace it. Like, you yeah. know, like just be happy with it. Yeah. Embrace it's good. Give it a hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling so good right now, but I'm okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I'm okay I, with I'll that. Accept it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It's not I'm okay as a contradiction to I'm feeling good. I'm sorry. Mm. It's like I'm not, feeling, I'm not feeling okay right now. Oh, no, I am feeling okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's different than I am okay with not feeling okay right now. That is very different than trying to switch from I don't feel good to, oh, no, I feel good. You're bullshitting yourself. You don't feel good. True. But just, so, but just, to, but just choose to be okay with that. Hmm. That's different than trying to fake it. That's true. Fake that it's That's not good. there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I'd love to come in from perspective of you being um, a champion coach again and a mm-hmm. success coach. And I'd love you to tell me how... I could change the way of my thinking, like you've already you're already doing already in in terms of yeah. happiness and everything. Like, how can I change my mindset or my thinking in order to affect my ambition or my my productivity in order to become much more productive mm-hmm. and in order to be much more um, ambitious? Well, the way that I help myself to be more productive is to first ask myself. Like, again, getting clear on what that is, right? Because it's just a concept. And oftentimes, if I'm like, oh, I want to be more productive, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes an expression of my not feeling enough. And so what I need is some concept and more of some concept, and then I'll be okay. So I'm always very suspicious whenever I'm seeking something conceptual. When I'm seeking something specific, it's, it feels more like, it's typically more true. So the first thing I would do is to check in. Like, why do I want to be, what's really going on? Oh, I'm just feeling like I'm not enough. Oh, like, because I haven't watched the kids enough this week and I've been working, so I'm worried about what my wife thinks. And so therefore I'm thinking, I need to be more productive in my work. But it's just a grasping at some trying to feel like I'm enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to start there. Um, and if I start there and I find out that like, no, actually what I want is I want to be, let's just go back to my example. I want to, to, to 10X our social media output faster. Mm-hmm. I want to be more productive in, in, in achieving that outcome. I want to do more, get more done in less time. We're going back to the power. Higher power is more productive, more, done, more difference made in less time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so how can I do that? Well, 
the next thing that I'll look at is like, who am I being that's having me not be more productive? Like, how am I keeping productivity out? Well, I'm not being clear and specific on the actions that I want to take. You know, I haven't set a timeline with my business manager on like when these benchmarks or milestones are going to be achieved. I start to see the things, but I, I see them through asking, how am I stopping it? How am I getting in the way of it? Yeah. Which is just a, it's a, it's the opposite way in of like, what more can I do? Mm-hmm. How am I being the obstacle to productivity? And the reason I like to ask it that way, besides it's like a handy way of helping me to see things is because I believe that when we are in a space of love, we are super productive. Mm-hmm. And so by looking at like, where am I not being loving? Where am I in fear? Where am I procrastinating because I'm worried about something or some, something doesn't feel true for me? Mm-hmm. Then it helps me to move stuff out of the way. And then like love just courses through and productivity goes all, you know, super fast. Yeah. Um, and so within that, another way I look at it is like, what is it that I'm, I've got on my to-do list that I don't, wouldn't love to do? Because I don't want anything on my to-do list that I don't love to do because if I were to do that, I'm no longer successful in my definition because now I'm doing something that I don't love. So that would be a stupid idea for me if I want to be successful in my definition of success is to do what I love is to have the to-do list of things I don't love. It's just take me away from success. True. So I, would I, is, I, I start my to-do list is to do, stuff, to do what I love. Like, what would I love to do? That's the stuff I put on my list. If, I, if it's something that would be useful to do to increase productivity that I don't want to do that's not going on my list, it's going to go on somebody else's that they would love to do that. <laughs> yeah. So what am, I, what am I doing that I don't love? What am I telling myself I should do that I don't love? Let me get that stuff out. Either I'm just not going to do it or I'm going to find somebody else that would love to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm only doing what I love, I'm way more productive. So that's, those are the places that I look, uh, look first to find out how to increase my productivity. Yes. That, that means removing the things that um, will not make you happy while, while doing them. I yeah. just focus on the things that you love instead. That's it. And I'm yes. radical it, with that. Like the degree that, to which I take that, like most people yes. are like, that's, you can't just live that way. That's not, that doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah. Well, some people, some people listen to this now and say, "Oh, that means I can remove, you know, the appointment with my dentist from my list, my my to do list, so that I can yes. be happy." Yeah, yeah, you could do that. But, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. There's always yeah. two ways to remove things from the list. You could literally not go to the dentist, or you could remove the ideas in your mind that create going to the dentist as a non-lovable experience. So those are, you, you remove it from the outside or from the inside. So mm-hmm. when I've changed my experience of going to the dentist to something that I love, I've just removed the former version of that from my list and I've replaced it with a new go to the dentist called go to the dentist, this is great, instead of go to the dentist, this is not great. True. So I'm always like working in the inside out and the outside in. I'm not like one's better or one's the right one. Both, mm-hmm. let's use both all the time. Yeah, yes. Ah, oh, great, great. So I would love to learn more from you and I would love to just know, like now I have this life where I want to be happy, I want to you know, live a life of freedom, of love, and I want to become much more powerful in my, in my life. But all of this needs intention. So I would love you to tell me, how can I live or how can we live um, an intentional life? Mm, yeah. I think knowing who we are helps us to have an intention. Um, and, you know, for me, knowing who I am is, an, is a constant evolution, a constant, it's both an inquiry 
and a realization in a number of ways. Like I'm discovering who I am by looking at the things that I'm afraid of and going through forgiveness and releasing those things and finding the things that I really value behind that, that creates that feel coming into know, know thyself, right? Knowing, getting to know myself, but it's also an act of creation. Like for me, authenticity is authorship. I'm designing and creating who I am. I'm declaring who I am. I'm deciding who I am. And I'm, and I'm bringing, and I'm taking these ideas and I'm keeping them present in my life on a recurring basis. Every morning when I wake up, I open my journal and I write ideas about who I am. Mm. I am creation creating itself and my being is primary. Mm. I am forgiving. I am free. I am loving. I am desire and I do not need. I am still. I am silent. I am asking and listening. I am guided and cared for. Mm. I create these ideas on a recurring basis and they're little meditations they're ways of con contemplating like, this is who I am. And then I look up at the world and my day and my life and my kids. And I, like, I, I see my kids through the idea that I am asking and listening. So what do I do when I see my kid? I ask him a question and I listen because I am the expression of who I am. When my wife wakes up in the morning and she has had a rough night's sleep with the baby, I am loving and I put my, why do I put my arms around her? Because that's who a person that's loving is and what they do when they see that. And so my intentions, like in the, in any moment and also the ones in like my greater plans are the expression of who I am meeting the world. Yeah. Creating possibility. Yes. Yes. Living a life of love and creating possibility. Yeah. For me, life of love, because that's who I have discovered and choose that I am. Yes. And people discover and choose that there are all sorts of things. And when you know who you are and you meet the circumstances of your world, intentions are born. Mm. What's your intention in this moment? Well, I am a generous person and you look like you could use some help. So my intention is to help you because that's who I am and that's what's going on right now. Mm. Yes, that's yeah. beautiful. Yes. Wow, this is so amazing. I, I've learned a lot from you already from this short conversation. <laughs> and I can't, you know, I, I'm sure there are a lot of more things, like a lot of things that one could learn from your programs. Like you have the Creator Circle and you have your mm -hmm. private coaching services. So can, can you tell me about them? Like, yeah. how can we, what, what do you expect to, to learn from them? How can we enroll to these programs and who, is, who are they meant for? Yeah, sure. Um, we work with clients in a few different ways. Um, it's all centered around dialogue, being in conversation. Um, but we have, you know, you can work with our, our coaches, myself and our coaches and our team one-to-one -to, -one to be in a conversation that helps you to see who you're being that you don't realize you're being. Yeah. That's creating your experience and your actions and your results or, your, or lack of results. Um, and we can help you shift that through how you speak to yourself, through how you contemplate who you are, through becoming more conscious of that. That's what dialogue does. But we also do it in some group contexts. We have Creator Circle, which is a group of people, uh, 12 total, who are in this kind of conversation for two hours every week for a year. Mm -hmm. And it's the being in this conversation over and over and over again every week that helps you to become more conscious of how you're actually creating your experience by the way that you think. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, you kind of intellectually get it. But by the end, you're so conscious of it that when wherever you walk through the world and people talk and you can just see the whole matrix of the world that they're embedded in just come out of their mouth. And you're like, wow, they don't even realize they're creating their reality as they speak. Wow. Mm -hmm. If they could just 
if I could just have a conversation with them, a lot of our clients end up either becoming coaches or doing coaches to coaching because like when you learn to coach yourself and create yourself so powerfully, you can't help but help others. Um, and we do work with coaches as well. And then we have this other program that's an intensive training called Being a Client Magnet. This is for entrepreneurs, mostly sole proprietors, consultants, people who are both the service provider and the sales engine of their business. And essentially, it's a training on how to create yourself, contextualized to the context of, you could call it sales, but client creation. Um, and we think of it as like that people don't buy your service, actually. They want that, but they buy who you're being. Mm -hmm. They buy your, the trust that they have in you. They buy their experience of being with you, whether it's them, you painting their house, doing their plumbing, doing their taxes, being their coach, they're buying their experience of you. And, and we found that when a person, an entrepreneur, a creator, a coach creates a way of being with people that's powerful and free and loving, that those people just want to hire them and they want to invest in their service, whatever it is. And so we help people to learn how to intentionally and consciously create themselves as somebody who's genuinely, authentically magnetic to express their natural self in a really powerful way. And we help them do that in the context of client creation. So we also help them to navigate the conversation from how do you have a conversation with the world authentically, not as marketing and advertising, but just as yourself that draws people in and wants them to, and has them want to talk to you. And then once they're talking to you, how do you navigate that conversation so that they experience you in such a way that they want to make a financial commitment to working with you? Hmm. Um, because for 10 years, I grew my business without doing any advertising, any marketing, just by focusing on growing myself and being with people. Um, and so that's what we, what's what we teach people to do in being a client magnet. That's our eight week intensive training. And then the, yeah, creative circle is a year long where it's just, just dialogue centric. And, um, and yeah, we do one-to-one -one work as well. So people can come to my personal website, jpmorganjr.com to check our stuff out. But we've also got a new company website that we're building right now because I've been coaching for 12 years, but over the last couple of years, I started to have a team that work with me. So we're, we're going to be called the creating company, the group of us mm -hmm. together a company of creators that are helping people to become <laughs> creators. Yeah. That was so beautiful. Yes. Thank you. And we'll get all of this update and information also on your website, on your current Absolutely. website now. Yeah. When it's done. yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Well, for someone out there who want to ask more questions, like I'm, we didn't cover half of everything that I wanted to ask <laughs> you. <laughs> but I'm so sure we'll come back another we'll... time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Please do. If there's someone out there who wants to ask you more questions, what's the best way to, to connect and work with you? Maybe for some, you know, follow questions or for yeah. other things. I mean, social media channels are the best. I don't know. I don't really, I don't love email. Let's put, let's say that I love engaging with people via social context. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, those are all, you know, popular ways for me to interact. And pretty much on every social channel, I have the same like username, JP Morgan Jr., JP Morgan Jr. So YouTube, mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, you can find me there. Yeah. Awesome. Say hi. I'm going to place all of this information in the show notes of this episode. So I encourage everyone cool. to just click on them, copy them and get across to John. Yeah. And, you know. Maybe ask more questions that that we could, um, but that, more than we could ask in this, you know, episode. Fantastic, <laughs> That'd cool. be great. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate everything that you taught me in this episode. I'm so grateful and I'm thankful for you know teaching me about you know intentionality, teaching me about you know freedom, love, and power. Teaching mm -hmm. me about yes, about you know success and what it truly means. That's awesome. so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you, Toby. 
Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.